0: When designing a game, you may be aiming to capture a very specific feeling. Being able to catch that emotion takes a lot of hard work and dedication, and refining your product to the state that you're happy with. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Adam about his catalog of games. From a game about ghosts committing theft, to a garage sale for two, discover these incredible games and what they have to offer. We talk about bonds, emotional storytelling, and narrative. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am very excited to have Adam onto the show with us this week. Adam, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Yeah, I'm super happy to be here. Um, I've listened to a few episodes of your show, and I'm really excited to talk about games.
0: You know, you're one of the people who I had seen stuff on before. I think I was following you on Twitter for a little while before I actually, you reached out to me, and I was going to reach out to you in the near future, and I just kind of kept on slipping. So I'm very excited that we (laughs) get to have this conversation
1: yeah, I'm super excited. Follow. Yeah, I've been following you on Twitter for a while, even if I um, <laughs> because I've met you. Well, because I saw you first through the Role Plus Bond
0: Discord. So oh, I was like, right. this "Seems like an interesting person to <laughs> interesting person to be in touch with." Audience, you you caught that right? We're bringing in another person from Role Plus Bond. They are a phenomenal group. So uh, if you're interested in them, you should go check them out. They're all very very sweet.
1: <sighs> yeah, it's been. Um, i've been part of the community now for i think a year and a half now that sounds about right um and i've met some of like my closest friends through it it's such a great lovely community not just for playing games but for talking to people who write games writing your own games even if you don't wind up publishing just being able to like Mm -hmm. share a google doc in the server and be like hey guys what do you think of this and just getting feedback is absolutely wonderful i love it so much
0: Yeah. And just chatting too. They're, they're a very vocal bunch. (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. Well, Adam, before we dive into some of the projects that you make, because we're going to be going over three of your games and we're going to actually be getting a little sneak peek on something that you're working on, which I'm very excited about. I only discovered, what, uh, 10 minutes ago? Something (laughs) like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So again, my name is Adam. I use he, him pronouns. I am 27 years old. I live in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, It's about as specific as we're gonna get, so we'll leave it there, (laughs) but... I have been playing some version of tabletop role-playing games since 2014, starting as a lot of people nowadays do with Dungeons & Dragons. Actually, I started with Pathfinder, Mm -hmm. then went to Dungeons & Dragons. And then about a couple years ago, I started branching off to other TTRPGs. One of my friends in a different server also writes games. um, And we played a game called Queer Heist Crew Multiverse Mashup, (laughs) and that was just a ton of fun um to play and that kind of opened my eye to like how much just the existence of other games i also started listening to actual play podcasts like friends at the table and just listening to people play other games and the stories they tell got huge interest and then um i helped some friends play test some games i helped Adela, who i know had been on the show before Mm -hmm. um play test um hedgewitch tales wisp um do crimes and um, those playtests actually brought me into the Plus Bond community to do some of those. And from there, it was just finding new people, playing new games. Oh, you're writing this new game? I want to play that. I want to try that. And just <laughs> it was just a deep, deep nosedive from there. So it's been, and that's just all happened over the last couple of years. Um, I never thought I'd be writing games, but uh, the people I've surrounded myself with have just inspired me to uh, through either game jams or just dialogue to write some really cool stuff.
0: And that's something I think I really appreciate about you and the community that's there. There isn't this huge pressure to make something so much as there is more to explore your ideas in some shape or form.
1: Yeah, and that's what's really that is what's really cool is that like you can piggyback off people. There's a lot of times where someone will say like a single sentence, and it's a silly sentence. And someone's like, "I'm gonna write a game about that," and then it never happens. <laughs> or someone says a silly sentence, you say, "I'm gonna write a game about that," and then two months later, they're publishing a game on itch about that one like spun off of this one sentence, um, <laughs> and it's a great place. Sometimes there's game jams, and if there's a game jam going on. Um, it's really fun to be able to bounce your ideas, see what other people are working on. How does yours synergize? How do yours differ? Um, Weston, who's also been on the show, did a Halloween Game Jam in 2020, and that's when I actually wrote my first game and what's really funny about that is we were all joking around about the um, so around that time the video game Untitled Goose game had just come out or had come out pretty recently, huge hit great game, love it Um, so I was like I'm going to name my game Untitled Ghost Game and then another one of my friends also (laughs) was like I'm going to name my game Untitled Ghost Game and I came to start talking about my game and they'd already written their whole game and named it Untitled (laughs) Ghost Game and I'm like I'm going to change my name because you're way ahead of where I am <laughs> and it fit their flavor a little bit better but like it's just that
0: that kind of fun synergy going on it's it's great yeah well you actually brought up what is going to be the first game I wanted to talk about and I'm pretty sure that's poltergeist isn't it
1: yes um so this is great because everyone asked me how do I pronounce this game because it's spelt p-o-l-t-e-r parentheses g close parentheses H e i s t. So I say poltergeist, poltergeist. Like it, it doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) It's meant to look like the word poltergeist, but with the word heist at the end.
0: (laughs) If you see the title, people, it's really that. It's it's kind of obvious that that's the thing, but it's it's a lot of fun. I really (laughs) like. I really like the look at it. It's also it's based on one of my favorite one page tabletop role playing games, which is Honey Heist. So. And that's by Grant Howitt got a lot of popularity from uh, being featured on Critical Role on like one of their best spinoff episodes, if you ask me, Um, Mm -hmm. but can you tell us a little bit about what Poltergeist is and how it works?
1: yeah so as you said it is a hack of honey heist by grant howitt um big shout out to grant howitt i actually asked uh, him if i could use some of his specific categories for this game and he said yes he's just oh, cool. a fantastic person but um the gist of the game is that you are a crew of ghosts and you're out to commit the heist of your afterlives um it is a very straightforward very simple game it's technically two pages but the game itself is on one page the other uh Mm -hmm. uh, some of the other pages some extra rollable tables but you just randomly roll up a character for your ghost uh you come up with different ghost type your role in the actual heist uh um and then you can also roll for what your outfit is like so kind of riffing off of how in in honey heist you can um Wow, I words. <laughs> kind of like in Honey Heist, you can uh, roll for your bear to have a hat. Um, in um, Poltergeist, you actually roll for like a, a ghostly outfit. Were you a pirate? Uh, were you uh, from like Victorian times? And it's really fun. And uh, again, just like in Honey Heist, uh, the dice system is very simple. Um, you just need to have a couple D6s to play. You start off with uh two different stats, which are um I'm gonna forget them now, even though this is my game. Uh <laughs> actually here's what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go open the game so I don't Yeah. Just real real quick, um where's the file? So the two stats uh that we have are uh spook and heist. Um okay the stats when you're rolling them so you roll a d6 um and whenever you're trying to commit a crime you're trying to pick a lock if you're trying to uh, sneak around someone then you're gonna be rolling heist you roll spook whenever you're doing anything related to being a ghost (laughs) (laughs) and you change the amount of d6s depending on if you have something that is related to your role. So if you are the hacker and you're trying to possess a computer to hack it, then you can go ahead and roll 2d6 and take the best. Just like in Honey Heist as well, your stats will start at 3. On any success, doesn't matter what stat you roll, your heist will go up up by 1, say from 3 to 4, and your spook will go from 3 to 2. Any roll you fail at, uh, it's the reverse, and what's great about these games is that while it's nice to increase one stat and decrease another, if you ever hit six into your stats, the game instantly ends as something horribly goes wrong. And it's just such yeah. a fantastic concept. And again, huge shout out to Grant Howitt uh, for coming up with this game because the the premise is so straightforward and yet so flexible. Um, it's so much. It was so much fun to write a hack for it when basic so this was my first game i ever wrote again i didn't think Mm -hmm. i'd ever be writing my own game and so to be able to take this really straightforward fun game and just kind of uh give it just a once over and replace the bears with ghosts was just a really fun thought project almost um the game was released as part of weston's ghost to ghost game jam for halloween of 2020 and just being able to go over um play test i play tested a couple times with people and just have the uh, some of the wackiest stories i've ever told um my favorite is in one of the play tests uh my lovely players uh burnt down the louvre uh- <laughs> oh. oh no <laughs> oh,
0: that's yeah that's about as bad as can go yeah <laughs>
1: the what's great it was it was a successful heist they just um the thing is is that the the ultimately the uh the little do the ghosts no the place was rigged to blow
0: and uh... oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny okay so that was the first game you wrote and then we're gonna move on to the second game you wrote which is my personal favorite actually um mm-hmm. and that's sweet peony can you tell us a little bit about Sweet Peony and what Sweet Peony is?
1: Yeah, so Sweet Peony is also my favorite. Um, this also, shout out to Weston as well, because this was uh, part of a... I can't remember the exact name of the jam. It, it was game a January... Jam. It was called it, it Sad Game Jam. jam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which was really great, because um, I just hit was hit with a random inspiration for this game, where I was mm-hmm. just like... I recently, it was great, because right around when this came up, I saw a random GIF from the movie Inside Out, um, which, for anyone who's not familiar with Inside Out, it's a Pixar movie um, where you actually see the emotions inside of a person as, like, actual characters. And I got hit with the inspiration of, wow, life is kind of, like, ultimately divided up into multiple different emotions. Sometimes you feel some stronger than others. Wouldn't it be really cool if you could zoom in on those different points in time? And the game went through several different iterations. At first, it was going to be like, okay, you have... I knew I wanted it to be a two-player game. Um, yeah. But at first, I was like, okay, do I want... I, at first, I thought it was going to be more like Inside Out. We're like, okay, we're going to have these actual like personifications of emotions. And they're going to be te- uh, taking turns telling stories about this one person. Um, but then I the more I kind of wrote out the game, I realized that I wanted it to be more about the person that they're focusing on. The emotions are just part of your life. And so I wanted your the, the emotions you feel uh, to be part of it. And the way that the game ultimately winds up working is the two players co-create a character or an object. Um, so it can be either a person, it could be an actual inanimate object. Um, and then, using a deck of cards, you play the uh, game War. So the decks are split up into suits. Red suits go to one player, blue suits go to another. Each player embodies a different emotion of joy and sorrow. And you tell different vignettes of this person or object's life through any time frame you want. It could be a day in a life, a week in a life, it could be a year, a decade, a whole lifetime. Um, and as you play the game war, whoever wins the card draw winds up narrating a quick vignette about this person, uh, person's life just framed by that emotion. Um, and it's what I, and again, I know I'm very biased, but what I really love about it is you can tell such varied stories in such a way that like, is framed in a very realistic fashion because joy doesn't always mean this is the happiest I've ever been in my life and sorrow doesn't mean everything in my life is falling apart. Sometimes yeah. joy is your character sat in the bank, uh, sat on a bench under a tree in the sun and had a really nice day and sometimes sorrow is you forgot to bring your umbrella and started raining on you. Mm. But also sometimes joys are like you got married and sometimes sorrow is someone close to you passes away. And so be able to introduce those however you want um, is great. Um, And what's really cool, too, is one of my biggest concerns as well was kind of uh, players having um, being able to have narrative control. And in a game of war, even though everyone has the same number of cards, so everyone has two aces, two kings, two queens, so on, it's very possible your luck could be bad and you could just have like five or six losses in a row so each player gets two jokers if at any point you lose a draw you can just play one of your jokers and you win the round you narrate from your tale, and that does two things one if you haven't gotten a turn for a while this gives you the control and it gives you the opportunity to be like no i want to turn now um to kind of balance yep. that out but second and i didn't realize this until i was playing this game with um actually weston come back to that in a second um it also can really help with if you have a narrative thread that you just really want to insert just throw down the joker and go for it so the game i played with weston um we told a tale of a um it was a cherry tree in a space station and we told it over the period of like 300 years and my one of my biggest regrets in life is that we did not record this game it was one of the (laughs) just like bittersweet, tragic games uh, as it was already. And right at the end, Weston just played uh, played their Jokers just like in quick succession to like turn the narrative, twisting exactly where they wanted to go with it. And they were playing Sorrow. So it was beautiful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's also one of the things too. There's, you had mentioned bittersweet and melancholy moments. And you actually have some, some light rules for that. I think Sweet Peony is only about six pages long, and that's including assistance for creating a character. But right. if, if you tie in a war in, when you're playing the mm. cards, you get a bittersweet or melancholy scene. And I think that's such good design. And part of that is co-narrating it.
1: Yeah. Um. So one of my favorite... This is honestly one of my favorite parts of the game. Um, And this is where you actually see a lot of inspiration from inside out. um, Is Sometimes you feel emotions that are just complex emotions or multiple emotions that are being felt at once. Your emotions almost have to work together for you to feel what you have to feel. And for me, I wanted that to be represented in the game itself. When you... When generally the game is meant to be played really quickly, your vignettes are almost supposed to be a couple seconds, a couple sentences. Although you can be spend as long as you want on them, but when there's a tie, I wanted players to kind of stop and think about how these emotions are going to blend. What does it mean to meet in the middle? How does it actually wind up presenting to your character or your object? And it slows the game down in a really nice way, in a really introspective way. And again, just one of my some of my favorite scenes come from bittersweet uh ties in
0: the game. It's just a really fun co-collaboration part of the game. It's also one of the only two-player role-playing games I've seen that arguably has like not you're trying to win, but whoever has mm-hmm. the most cards at the end they'll uh <laughs> they get (laughs) to narrate the final vignette. Yeah. And so
1: I wanted there to be some kind of ending to the game clearly. Um, And Mm -hmm. I've had it where it's like, you can have made the game shorter by cutting the cards in half. You can make the game longer by using two decks of cards, do whatever you want with that. But I wanted you to be able to both wrap the game off and be like, here's where we end but also not have to be like, oh, we have to finish this character or object. And so I wanted this to be almost like a continuation of play. And the way that I decided to do that is just, whoever won the most, you narrate one last vignette. Um, and the way I specifically describe it is, it's not necessarily a character ending, although it can be if you want it to be. Um, but it's really just ultimately the last emotion we see this character on so even if the person who's playing sorrow has the most cards it doesn't mean that the rest of your character's life is going to be sad or ends in tragedy it's just the last thing that we see them on uh is a a sadder emotion which happens in life um yeah and then same with same with joy too sometimes we see them on this really this peak point of their life um, and then if you wind up tying, you both won, then you narrate a, a melancholy one. And um, I think one of my favorite uh, endings that was a, a actually a joy ending, um, I'm playing a series of games with a group of friends that take place in a fictional uh, superhero city. And we've played a ton of uh, games in this. And we did Sweet Peony for one of the characters. And we did it for their um, four years of college. Um, and just experiencing, basically it was the game just about what their life was like going to college, but also being a superhero in the superhero city. Um, and the last joy scene we ended was them and their college friends helping them move into, uh, their first apartment after college. Um, and them just being on top of the roof, uh, just drinking with their friends and just having a great time as the sun sets behind them. Nice, simple, this character's only like 22 years old, so clearly there's more to life for them, but that's just a nice, sweet ending that we had to the
0: game. That's super sweet. I'm I'm glad that that got to be put out there because that sounds like a lot of fun. One of the most important things too in Sweet Peony specifically is that, and you stress it, which is great, the amount of safety mechanisms that are put in place for this one, so lines and veils and x card obviously Mm -hmm. these can be some intense moments just making sure that they're addressed is really important yeah
1: and what's really cool uh to um and what i'm going to go ahead and do now is because i didn't um actually really know this about because when i wrote this game i had um I just been writing the game. I played with these tools before, but I never learned them. So I do want to specifically yeah. shout out the X card is um, written by John uh, Stevopoulos, and mm-hmm. I don't. I think Lines and Veils. I was just looking this up. is um, coined by Rod uh, by Ron Edwards. Um, so there are two people that specifically created these tools. It's for me. It's really uh, safety tools are really really important to me. Um, yeah. There's lots of reasons why you should always introduce safety tools in your games. Um, And it's for the obvious reasons of you want to make sure people are always comfortable. You want to give people the control to be comfortable. You don't want anyone to um, be upset. Games are about having fun, ultimately. No matter what story you're telling. And you can't have fun if you are not safe. That's something I always stand by. And... um, What you'll notice is that when you get really close with a group of people, you'll stop using a lot of like explicit safety tools and do more implicit ones, little check ins, uh, you know what your friends kind of triggers are and so you do your best to Mm -hmm. avoid them, you know what people don't like, but it's still important to incorporate some form of safety because you don't know if someone's going through a bad time and something might not uh, sit well with them. Um, the world's a really scary place right now. There could be certain topics that weren't an issue last week that are now um sure. I think one of the examples for me is I was playing with someone and we didn't uh we had done lines and veils uh as we always do and but we didn't realize that um they were afraid of mice and so we- oh. didn't, uh I think I was actually playing buffet do crime by Adela and that has a a yeah. like um I cannot remember the name of this character, but it's inspired by the Pied Piper, who can summon, like, Mm -hmm. hordes of animals, and they summoned a group of mice to help us with what we were doing. And they were like, nope, can't do that. And we were like, all right, we're slamming on that reset button, and we're going to do squirrels instead. Like, being (laughs) able to have the tools to reset or pause or fast-forward through something is so powerful and good, and... Um, I think that even if you're familiar with the people you're playing with, even if you're friends with them, even if you're close and you know each other, in cor- have something there. So that way if someone's ever uncomfortable, they have a good way of communicating it. Or if um you already are good on the communication standpoint, you have the tools available to know how to maybe work around it, whether it's completely redoing the scene, fast forwarding through it. Um, Safety tools are always important. And then... To bring it back to Sweet Peony, this is a game very explicitly about strong emotions that can be positive yeah. or negative. Um, lots of things can cause these emotions. Um, it's very easy to have lines and veils set up. You know what not to touch into, but if you're going to be going to topic that you're like, hey, I think that this is going to be a little bit touchy, it's just really important to be like, hey, I want to do about c- a scene about this. What do you think of this? Or... Hey, I think this scene might be heading in a negative direction. Do we want or in a really bad direction? Do we want to shift it or are we good with this? And just being able to have that open dialogue is one of the most important parts of playing a game with someone.
0: Over the last couple of years, definitely more so even in the past year since I started schedule for launch, I have seen such a heavy shift towards making sure that those tools are well explained and accessible. And I think we're going to keep on seeing more of that. I'm really glad to see it because while there's not a whole lot that is triggering for me, and a lot of the times I'll Mm -hmm. use role-playing games to explore topics that I want to know more about myself with, be they positive or (laughs) negative, I think it's so important to have the option there and to have it explicitly stated. So kudos for putting this in there
1: yeah and it's again one of those things that like especially the. so I wrote this game in um, th- uh, the game jam was January 2021 but I didn't release it till February of 21 um, mm. and that was even just like I knew this was important let's do it but even since writing this um, uh, for me just uh, being able to even just know just for me if I can tell someone's uncomfortable it takes me out of playing the game too yeah. Um, and I think that people don't realize that how, like a lot of people use TTRPGs to escape, uh, but also people use it to explore topics that they wouldn't ordinarily. Um, and I think being able to communicate around that is just more important now than ever. And the fact that it's being normalized uh-huh. is, is so huge. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, we even talked about it a little bit before the show started that my main falling out with D&D was that lack of communication with my group specifically. Not even necessarily the game at fault, but some of those being able to talk to your group is kind of like what made Mm -hmm. me fall out of that community.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'm someone who's played Who plays D&D 5e with my college friends, but it's one of those games that I don't think I'd really play with anyone that I, I don't think I'd play with anyone that I wasn't already super, super close with, because um, and I'm not going to get it super in detail on this, because I don't want to have people who play D&D yell at me, but uh, (laughs) I I don't think that D&D is fully equipped with the tools that uh, uh, internally, to deal with a lot of these topics, a lot of them have to be brought in externally. And that's not necessarily a knock against D and D. That's just how the game is
0: written. No, it's yeah, it's it's been that way. I think what D and D came out, Five E specifically, came out in uh, 20, 2014. It's I think so, something now. like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds of googling in twenty twelve. Twenty twelve.
0: There's yeah. the there's the googling noise from both of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well. Let's move away from Sweet P A because I knew we were going to Mm -hmm. talk the most about it because I really like that game. Let's talk about (laughs) Taking Your Friend's Coins, which is your most recent release. Yeah, tone shift (laughs) and a half here. What's Taking Your Friend's Coins?
1: (laughs) So this is one of those fun things. This is probably one of my favorite things about uh, games and game jams is that games can come from anywhere. Anywhere. There was someone had posted a game jam for um, pleasure, not business card RPG jam, is what it was called, and the whole point was write an entire RPG, but it has to be written on the size of a business card. You have to be able, you Ah. would have to be able to hand this someone this on the size of a business card, and they should be able to play the entire game. (laughs) I remember seeing this, (laughs) and I was like. None of my other friends were doing this. I don't think I know anyone else that submitted to this. But I was just like, I was, I had nothing to do at work that day. I was really bored. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna putz around with an idea, um, and I'm like. Hey, you know what? I can fit it on a business card. Let's do it. I didn't play test it. I didn't um, <laughs> uh, didn't run it past anyone. I just like I edited the entire thing. I think in um, Google Slides, so that way I could have wow. the specific size, like how I need it. <laughs> and it's it's so the way I and I'll read the the game because the whole game is the size of a business card. The intro is an unbalanced coin game about taking your friend's coins. Uh, It's for two to five players, and really all you have to do is everyone starts with five coins. You flip your coins. Your heads equals one points, tails equals two points. Add up all your points. Person with the highest number of points wins the round and takes one of everyone's coins. A tie results in a redo of the round. Everyone flips again with the same rules. The game ends when one person has everyone's coins. It was not meant to be balanced. It was not meant to be (laughs) fair. Because once you win, once you have, even if you're just playing with two people, now you're six to four. You're almost you're almost guaranteed to have more points in them. But you know what? It all fit on a single business card, and that's all that mattered. So, (laughs) it's one of those games that I released. Like, I, I wrote the game, I think, and made it and formatted it and published it in, like, three hours. Like, <laughs> it was fun. It was goofy. Um, but it's not the game I've really spent a lot of time thinking about. <laughs> I'll be honest with you.
0: <laughs> when I heard about this, I was like, the perfect time to play this game is when you and your friends have sat down at a restaurant and you are waiting for your food to come.
1: Yes, exactly. You just pull this out of your pocket and be like, let's go.
0: (laughs) Not much more to deep dive on taking your friend's coins. (laughs) (laughs) Look, if you want to deep dive on it, I'm
1: curious to see where this goes. So if you have more questions about it, please, by all means.
0: (laughs) Well, then we're going to move on then. (laughs) Now, you shared with me a little bit earlier that you're actually working on another game right now, hoping to have it out in the near future, called Mm -hmm. Everything Must Go. It's about garage sales and the things that people sell. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how this game is, or what this game is, and how it works a little?
1: Yeah, so what's really great is that this is, I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. But this came across in one of the, um, this is one thing that came across when someone said something random in the server I'm in. Um, someone just said, let me see if I can actually find this specific thing. Yeah, there was a Tumblr post that a friend shared in a Discord server that was a picture of a cat, which says, and then they had a little sign, a cardboard sign attached to them it says, Garage Sale, follow me. <laughs> and i was like oh this gave me an idea for a game (laughs) and for me i was just like i would like to tell a garage sale game where you just give little backstories about the items from the garage sale and this is one of those things where like i had this little nugget of idea and i sat on it for i think a a full day just being like i should write a game about this i should write a game about this i should write a game about this and i sat down and i just like slammed out some like basic touch points of what i wanted the game to be about and ultimately what i settled on is it's i wanted it to be another two-player game i i love any kind of player games but two-player games are my specialties for writing i really like how personal (laughs) they are and how they get um uh, and i find them the easiest to write personally but what i wanted this to be is just figuring out who's doing the garage sale why are they having the garage sale? What are they selling? What's the attachment they had to these items? And who is buying these items? So I actually was hugely inspired by um, Adela's Hedgewitch Tales for this, which Hedgewitch Tales, um, the main premise uh, for the mechanics of the game is you have one static character, and you have multiple kind of rolling characters that come and go, and it's still a two-player game. So you'll have one person is the head witch, hedge witch in that game, and then you have the different wanderers that come by needing help. And yeah. so I modeled my game specifically after that. I had you, um, there's a rollable table for creating a seller, with a lot of different adjectives to give you an idea for, like, what this kind of person is. Um I also made it so some of the adjectives conflict. So you could uh roll and you could have someone be old and young, and you're like, that doesn't make sense. And <laughs> so you could have two sellers. One is old, one is young. Like, there's flexibility in creation. Um yeah. and then I wanted to explore, hey, why are they having the garage sale? Where are they having it? Um, what's the mood of the sale? Because like there's a lot of different reasons if you think about people have a garage sale. Sometimes people are like, you know what? I got a bunch of junk and i just need to get rid of it let's do it so it's like oh, i yep. guess i gotta do this there's people <laughs> that are like i need the money like i need to sell this i need money i need to pay off loans whatever and then there's stuff like sad where it's just like hey my uh, uh relative passed away and i need to clear out their house um so there's a lot of different emotions that go into garage sales that can impact not just the person but the whole mood of the sale um and then I wanted to kind of go into who's visiting. What are they interested in? And this is where I kind of go into, I blend a little bit from Sweet Peony as well, where I, once a person, you roll on a table for picking a trinket or an item. You work together to collaborate on what the item is. You answer some questions about like um, uh, what the item is and so on. But then you kind of tell a vignette of a memory that the um seller has of this item. It can be happy or sad, whichever you want. Like whatever uh-huh. you frame you want to you want to have with it. And then um once they tell and you kind of frame it as them telling a story about the item to the person who's buying it. The buyer is then going to kind of respond with their own memory that kind of like relates to the memory of the buyer. So it's a lot about how people relate to each other as well. And then it wraps up by either, do they buy the item? If they do, why do they buy it? So on and so forth. Um, And so for me, I wanted to have this very nice gameplay loop of, um, you have the garage sale laid out. We're going to create an item. We're going to tell a story. The person's going to reciprocate. Do they buy or do they leave? Roll for another buyer coming up to the sale and then just go through the gameplay loop. And then at the end, you just kind of figure out, answer some questions how the garage sale go do we zoom and we zoom in on the different people how
0: they're using the items they purchased so correct me if I'm wrong here Adam but you Mm -hmm. really like games that explore emotion and relationships I do a lot Um, and for
1: me it really stems from the fact that some of my favorite things about games is how invested you get in them whenever you make a game, you make a character, you make a world, you get invested, you're putting some of yourself into it. And you often then have a range of different emotions you feel while playing those games. And one of the things I really enjoy is when you have to zoom in on a specific emotion. It's one thing for me, which is really exciting when it's just comes up just you play to find out and you figure things out but to be able to focus in on how people relate how are you feeling it kind of causes you to pause and actually just parse through who this person is this character is and it adds a layer of depth that i just really love seeing in games and um it really just also helps me so one thing so i have adhd um i was diagnosed when i was young And um, it's one of the things I'm very open and public about. I love answering questions about it. I love learning more about it. And for me, I, especially when I was younger, I often very much struggled to express how I was feeling. Um, I'd be angry. I didn't know why I was angry, but I was angry. Or I'd be upset. Uh I didn't know why I was upset. Um, I had really bad emotional dysregulation. And now that I'm older and I've learned a lot more about about this, for me to be able to zoom in on a single emotion, explore it, communicate about it, is also really rewarding for me. Um, And I'm really glad whenever I can make it
0: rewarding for other people as well. I think looking at these games, you kind of see that evolution where you go through them. You start off with Poltergeist, which I think was just you kind of stretching your... Stretching your writing muscles. It really seems like Mm -hmm. that. You're kind of exploring it. Then Sweet Peony came out. And this is like comparatively much, much bigger project. You explore that emotion of joy and sorrow, taking your friends' coins. You, as a group, do a game where you all get angry except for one person. (laughs) Everything Must Go is a little bit more complicated than the other ones. So I think that that exploring even right down to your your roots there, why are you having the garage sale is such a big question, but then there's there's so much more because we we do have these emotional attachments to items around us. Mm-hmm. I think it's just it shows growth in you as a game designer.
1: Yeah, thank you, and I appreciate that. And I think another thing for me is that um I also I'm not like a huge hoarder, but I definitely form attachments to items and Uh it's, and then also like, you know um, if you couldn't tell Pixar is a big influence on my childhood as well, you think about uh, movies like toy story as well, like, (laughs) um, (laughs) but like, no, but for for real though, it's just it's emotions exist everywhere we go. They define who we are as people and it's just so interesting seeing where and how we apply those emotions. And I'm sure the next game I write is either going to be um, some really short game, kind of like taking your friend's coins, or it's going to be even more complicated than this one. There. <laughs> well, we might, we might either be wibbling or we're skyrocketing. I don't know yet. <laughs>
0: I think something that's really cool about your games, too, and I mentioned this to Emily as well, is that there's a lot of inspiration that comes from game jams. And mm-hmm. what what is it about game jams that gets you going? So for me, it's
1: like, I I ultimately, I'm a hobbyist game writer. I don't yeah. like, for me, writing a game is not about, I need to negate this, I need this to get a lot of traffic, I need to sell, I need to drive business. For me, it, I write a game when I feel like writing a game um, I have a couple drafts of game ideas that I've had that just like haven't gone anywhere, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, so I need to actually like have something to latch on and have an inspiration to get me to sit my butt down and actually write out a game. And so for having a game jam, to be able to have a dedicated topic, I can actually go, okay, I'm not just thinking about games as a whole. I'm specifically thinking about games that have to fit into this niche of like the game jam. And even then, um, then it comes from like, okay, these people are talking about this game. Oh, someone said a single word, got me going. Just, we're good, off to the races. Um, It's really just a lot about being able to get me inspired as well as filter all of the different possibilities. I don't have to write about a game about anything. I have to write a game that fits under these parameters. Um, I think that's why ultimately that's most evident in taking your friend's coins where it was such a silly little idea for a game that I only ever would have thought of for that game jam because it's just such a unique, can you write a game that fits on a business card? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's like similar to how sometimes I just see something and it goes, that makes me think of a game. It's being able to have that inspiration. It gives me like a step up. That goes from uh, that actually gets me into writing a game
0: mode. I think that makes perfect sense. Just looking at their stuff, I I am not shy about admitting that another reason why I started scheduled for launch was my sheer frustration about a game I was trying to make not working. (laughs) Um, So I think that yeah, just having that inspiration and that the community specifically. That happens with mm-hmm. game jams. Kinda talking that out, that makes a lot of sense. I haven't seen any game jams up for a little while, actually, so I'm excited for the next big one.
1: I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll uh we'll have a, a summer one maybe. I'll talk to Weston. Weston's been responsible. You can thank Weston. Weston's been responsible for two of my games that I've actively written. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> actually looking at it is everything must go. Is that your first non-game jam game?
1: <laughs> it is my first non-game jam game, actually, yes. <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> when you put it like that, yeah, it sure yes. is.
0: <laughs> well, congratulations on that. <laughs> it was a little cat thank that you.
1: helped you this time. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Garage Sale
0: Cat. I appreciate it. Um <laughs> Adam, we're starting to run low on time, but I got two more questions for you. Yeah. One I love to ask. It's at the end of basically every single episode. But can you give some advice to somebody out there who wants to make their own game, but they don't know where to start?
1: Yeah, so I'm actually going to give the same advice that I give to people with ADHD, which is sometimes, uh, which is I found from someone on TikTok, which is just follow the dopamine. Like you've just got to think okay. about. You don't want to. You got to think about what makes you happy and like, or what you're interested in, or what catches your attention. Mm-hmm. If you just sit down and go, "I'm going to write a game," um, or "I am going to make myself write a game about this thing," you could possibly do it, but it's going to be a lot harder to kind of sink your teeth into. But if you think about something that makes you happy or excited or is like in- really interesting to you. Um, follow that go wherever that takes you if you have a really cool game idea but you're like "Eh, i'm not sure how to implement it but it would be really cool start writing it like it might not turn out exactly how you initially thought about it but if it's what's interesting to you that's going to give you more success than trying to force something to fit
0: into something you're not interested in that's such good advice i think we that's the first time we've had that advice we get a lot of doubling up on advice in schedule for launch and a lot of the times it's because that's really good advice Mm -hmm. but i don't think we've ever had that advice and that's really good (laughs) advice (laughs) good i'm glad (laughs) adam before we go where can people find out more about you and your stuff
1: yeah, absolutely. So you can follow me on Twitter at hawkwindrider, H-A-W-K-W-I-N-D-R-I-D-E-R. You can also find me and my games on itch.io. That's going to be hawk-windrider.itch.io um those are really the main places that people can reach me and um what i always say is if anyone has any questions my dms on twitter are always open feel free to reach out anytime with questions about games adhd you just want to nerd out about stuff cool i love making friends
0: (laughs) as always audience those links are going to be down in the description below adam thank you so much for joining me this week it was a ton of fun
1: Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, It's great talking to you. Um, I almost am a little sad the audience isn't going to hear the 40 minutes of conversation we had before the podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Y'all didn't miss much. We talked about Curse of Strahd.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot, Zach. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, no problem. It was great. All right, audience. Well, thank you for listening adam and all of his projects they're available and everything must go that's going to be available soon too they're getting ready to launch that he's getting ready to launch that so be excited about everything must go go check out his other games and yeah get set take care of yourselves have a great night i'll see you in the next one bye Thank you so much to Adam for joining me on the podcast this week. Adam's games are absolutely amazing, especially if you don't have a lot of time to commit to playing games. These games are short, they're sweet, they're great for a laugh. I actually took some time at lunch and played Taking Your Friend's Coins with a couple colleagues, and we had a really good time with it. So go out there, make sure you check out his work, buy it on itch, I'm sure he'd really appreciate it. And thank you for listening, audience. Things have been a little hectic around here. Now that the move is done and my studio's set up more or less, I can ideally get back on track and start reaching out to some more creators and get them on here. We are skyrocketing really close to the next milestone on listeners for the podcast and have had some amazing consistency with listeners. So thank you for that. If you like this episode and you want to hear more, why not leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or even better yet, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way that I can advertise this show and all of you have made it so incredibly, just thank you. You're spreading the word in a really good way and I really appreciate it. There won't be an episode next week. Uh, Unfortunately, things fell through with one of the creators who I was supposed to talk to and I just wasn't able to get anybody to fill in. I don't actually have any interviews set up right now. So if you want to come and talk about your game, please reach out. Now is the perfect time to come and get onto the show. It's really easy to come on. I promise I do most of the work for you. Just don't be a shitty person and I'll catch you on (laughs) until then. Take care of yourselves. Have a good night. I'll see you next time. Bye.